The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we'll explore the idea of the connection between um, safety and right action um, in the first half together here. One thing, um, one quote that uh, Gil had, so the Buddha says, you know, right action is abstaining from killing living beings, abstaining from um, taking that which is not given, and abstaining from misconduct and sensual pleasures. This is right action. Gil says, another way of saying this is to say that the path is meant to free people from the causes and conditions where we cause harm. Right? in order to live a life that's harmless where we don't we aren't harmed and we don't harm others and so that when just taking a moment to think about a life that's harmless like just to even imagine right it's not it's not possible to have a life without getting hurt or having suffering but just there's a lot that we can do right and so if you think to to make life a little bit less harmful for ourselves and others right so if you think about a life that is less harmful harmless just how does that feel to even hold that thought can you even invite yourself to connect with a sense of being an environment and maybe hopefully we've all had smaller experiences of harmlessness Right. So just take a moment and we'll sort of shift into from a guide, some guided reflections to a little meditation together starting with this question here and, and just pausing. So you might want to shift your awareness more deeply inward to notice the impact of even, even what's already been shared the idea of right action. And just notice what happens in your body as you settle and listen and check in. And take a moment to breathe into your heart. <coughs> Maybe even placing your hand on your heart. Notice what happens when I drop in this statement again. This path is meant to free people from the causes and conditions where we cause harm. Just notice your relationship to that idea. What do you feel? And if there's any tightness or tension around that, be very curious. It's very helpful, actually, to notice where we might feel some resistance. And if we feel ease, to appreciate and savor that. Now let's take three intentionally long and slow deep breaths. 
And I want you to um, bring to mind in some way, whether it's an image or words, story, memory, of a moment of feeling some safety. And so I'll offer this moment as an inspirational reflection of moments of feeling. Um, for me, I think about um, being in Hawaii and being in the warm ocean water on a raft with very, you know, smooth water, not big waves, warm sun, warm water, and the feeling of just resting my body on this, you know, rubber raft, just completely sinking into that feeling, trusting my body, letting go of my body, feeling the support and the warmth, the air, Maybe there's a moment in your life where you have experienced that sense of letting go, of ease, well-being. And there's no perfect image or... way you're supposed to imagine this even, just connecting with a sense. And then just notice and acknowledge the conditions that allowed for that feeling of safety to arise. Things like really basic things, sometimes maybe just that you have a shelter or a place to rest. you have enough food and water that you have you know just enough money for stability for what you need a sense of connection with others with the environment with the world around you or with your innermost self Maybe a sense of intimacy with the moment, with your experience in the moment. And also maybe a sense of trust or faith. Perhaps for me, In that moment on the raft, there was a trust in my ability to swim. My ability to take care of myself or that others around me were there if I needed help. And a sense of faith. Could be otherwise, right? I could be floating on a raft and worried and stressed and tight and tense. Or... I can let go and be at ease. Now take another just deep breath in and I'm going to ask a few other reflections before we move into a meditation period. And, And that is just to acknowledge sort of what I was starting to bring up in my last comment about what is absent 
when we feel safe. So there was no threat, right? No, no imminent danger. No one was trying to kill me or steal my raft or sexually violate me in any way. It's pretty important. And then take a moment to think about what helps you maintain a sense of safety when you experience it. Sometimes it's just our mind that can make us feel unsafe and sometimes it's conditions outside of ourselves. Just notice if you place value on feeling safe, feeling at ease. Do you believe you deserve to feel safe? Do others deserve to feel safe? Is it a right, an expectation, gift, a miracle? Something you create that's offered? And just now here in this moment, just notice if there's a sense of safety or ease for you here. How do you know that? Maybe find a sense of ease in your body now. Could be in a small area or it might be an overall feeling. Just see if you can breathe into that sense of ease. allowing it to be more intimately felt. Perhaps it grows slightly with each inhale, allowing it room
Noticing the feeling of breathing in. And the feeling of breathing out. Notice how you're aware of breathing in. And see if you can bring a sense of making the breath feel safe, welcome, at ease, allowing it to come and go.
Breathing in. Knowing you're breathing in. And breathing out. Knowing you're breathing out. Taking a moment to notice the state of your body, heart and mind at this time. And if you're aware of any extra tension or stress, just inviting anything that's unnecessary, unneeded, to let go with the exhale, without forcing. Gentleness. And as we're coming toward the end of the sit, I just want to again say to you, my wish for you is that you all feel safe and at ease here today. That you feel a sense of permission to be fully who you are. That you stay intimately connected your experience as we explore together right action and safety and integrity. So what I'd like to do now is have us get into groups of four. So if you could just uh, maybe stay 
find four people relatively near you and um, you'll need to make sort of a small circle so you can move the chairs and um, and we'll shift into doing some dyad work now so please thank your small group And I think probably the easiest thing is just to split your group into two, two dyads. So come into silence again. Come into a space of listening and receiving. And this next exercise um, requires some trust. Trust in yourself and and um, patience. So the exercise is um, that there'll be one speaker at a time and one listener at a time. And the speaker will be answering a question and the same question will be asked repeatedly. And so each time you hear the question, just let whatever answer comes, come. And if it's the same answer that you've given three times in a row, see if you can say it for the third time in a row as if it's the first time you're saying it, right? Receiving it, just offering it. It doesn't usually happen that way. But that's not a problem. Maybe that just means it's a really, really deep truth for you, right? So whatever arises, just being willing to let it be offered and when you're speaking and answering, you're, you're speaking to yourself. The other person's going to receive your words, but you don't have to make sense to them. This is for you, right? The, the person who's asking the questions and listening is, is offering the support of their awareness because it adds, it helps us. It helps us hear ourselves more deeply. So receive the gift gift of their listening, right? Let them listen, but without feeling like, you know, you need to get something back from them or make sure that they understand something. So the first question, so the person with the least number of colors on can be the questioner to start. And um, the first question to ask is, If you felt more safe, you would dot, dot, dot. If you felt more safe, if you felt more safe, you would. And then you just open palm listening. Just give them lots of time. Wait for a a good pause before you ask again. 
And just, if they keep talking and talking, you just, that's fine. Right? No worries. All right? Everybody has the question? Okay. So you'll have about um, a minute and a half or so, maybe two minutes, um, to answer, you know, for this question. Right? So, please begin. Okay, take a deep breath. Just feel the energy in the room, feel the energy in your body. Just notice what's happening for you. Maybe to close your eyes for a second. (sighs) Acknowledge whatever needs to be seen and felt. Now take a deep breath in and with with your next exhale we're going to switch roles. So please ask the same question for your partner that they asked of you. Please begin. Coming back in, connecting with how you feel now, the impact of your sharing. And take a deep breath in, and with the exhale, open your eyes again, and here's your second question. So we'll change roles again. If you offered more safety to others, you would. If you offered more safety to others, you would dot dot dot. Please begin. Thank you. 
Okay, and taking a moment to come back in, bringing your awareness inside the body, witnessing the experience, the impact of these reflections. And take another deep breath in. With the exhale, reconnect with your eyes, with your partner. Acknowledge each other and shift and change roles, please. Repeat the question. If you offered more safety to others, you would dot, dot, dot. Coming back in, feeling this, feeling the impact of what's been shared with you and what, what in from within and from without. Maybe sense of appreciation for taking the time to both listen and be listened to. So please gently and kindly thank your partners. I don't know if it's possible, but it sure would be nice if we were in one circle so that everybody could see everybody else. I have no idea when you redo your chairs, if there's any way to create a space that is a... a I know, it's going to be gigantic, and it may not be possible. It's an aspiration. Um, 
there may be, you know, great, more than one row, which is fine, but maybe even just noticing that there's people behind you, and so there might be ways to sort of still get their, them as part of the circle, right? So... Do we turn um, on the recording? It is on. So what I'd like to do now is um, just take a few minutes um, to ask uh, for a few people to share. Um, were there any surprises for you in this exercise? Was there a surprise about being asked these questions or hearing your responses or maybe even what, what another person offered? Is anybody uh, willing to share? Yeah. Great. There was one person. Is this odd? Mm-hmm. Yes. There was one person in my group who said, "I don't know if it was very surprising, but I thought it was like the whole point of this. I thought it was kind of deep." She said she feels very safe when she practices the Dharma in all her interactions, and I thought, "Wow, that's the point of all this." That's so cool. <laughs> so, I want to share that. Beautiful. Um, I found that super intense, and it was much easier for me to listen than to talk. <laughs> yeah. Do you, can you say anything about um, the intensity part for yourself? That might be. You know what? What? What do you think was about that? Um, it's really scary to share, <laughs> but I did share because I do feel fairly safe in this space. Um, one thing that came up a lot in our group was that um, several people said that they feel safe when they feel that their um, values and views are respected, even if they're different than other people's. Mm. Um, that kind of resonated a lot with me. Um, within my family, there are very different um, values and views. Um, and so just trying to create an environment where everyone's views can be respected because I think that's the only way that we can be a family together mm. with such different people. Thank you. Any other surprises? Yeah, I was surprised that I don't very often think about what makes me feel safe oh. and that I probably should spend more time, especially when I'm not feeling safe, or I will tend to think more of when I'm not feeling safe than, well, what does me does make me feel safe? So that's what the, what's the benefit of thinking about what makes you feel safe? Just living life. <laughs> it helps just, you live life, yeah. or yeah, just the benefit get through, is you get through certain times and yeah. certain parts of the day, maybe or. Yeah, so, I mean, I wonder, I kind of asked the question because you said, you know, you don't think very often about it. And so, um, what what would help you? What would help you remember? What would make it help you feel like it was important? You know? Yeah. Um, she said she doesn't often remember to think about her own safety and that she she used the word and I sh- probably should do that and 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 then when I asked um you know why the okay that was that oh the very last part yeah. um well I don't know anymore what 
she said the next thing she said was that um, she would live more, like she'd be more, right? And then she wasn't sure what would support her. Yeah. Yeah. Any other? Yes. First of all, um, Tanya was, I thought it was uh, a good idea for you to suggest that we don't plan ahead. Mm. So, um, and so, uh, not planning it, um, uh, was more spontaneous. And then I noticed, I, I realized if, if I felt more safe, all, how many ways I would open up and, mm. and, um, and things I would do that I'm not doing. And, and then if others, if I offered more safety to others, that uh, they would similarly open up toward me more. Mm, thank you, Phil. Yeah. So, was there anything else that was important for anyone? Like, you know, that to me strikes. These are, these are all important. But uh, Betsy. Well, I want to thank you for the exercise, Tanya. We spend time here, very important time, um, focusing on the hindrances and the obstacles in order to clear this path. Mm-hmm. And so to go directly, when I had anticipated we would go towards harming and those things that are in the way of safety, to go directly to safety was um, so pleasant. And the alignment, I felt... In my body, a little bit as the is it the sea anemone? You know how they close up. Yeah. And as soon as this sense of being open to the world, this relaxation and being open to the world, mm-hmm. there was this natural reaching out. I just felt this natural movement to reach out to others. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you. It was. Um, I will carry it home with me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I think, you know, that's a, so well said. I'll just talk for a moment <laughs> because it's really my, kind of my aspiration was to to sort of have you notice how when we relax, when we feel safe, it the heart naturally opens. We naturally reach out. We naturally want to offer safety to others. And so it is incredibly important for us to figure out how to help ourselves feel safe and to pay attention to that. Um, not always easy, you know, it can be complicated, but but the value of of taking the time to notice um, the impact of feeling more safe and and offering it, you know. Um, any other reflections that would like to be voiced, please, Irene. The minute you know you asked the question, the answer was there. Mm. You know, and for me. Um, it was my, my children. I have I was a single mom for a long time, and I didn't always make it easy on my daughters, but now they're all grown up with children of their own. And we've been working on our relationship for a while, but it's oftentimes contentious. And there's definitely room for me to make them feel more safe. Mm. And how, you know, if I could be... And if I felt safer with them... I could be more honest about who I am because mm, yeah. they don't really know me the way I'd like them to. Mm. Beautiful. There might be one more important observation or sharing. 
These are all beautiful. Anybody else feel inspired? Great. I just think that in this feeling of safety, creativity can flow. Mm, Yes, thank you, Kumi. So just take a moment to look around the room. We are so lucky to be sitting in this room, in this space, right? We all came here today to talk about right action, about not harming, not stealing, not, you know, um, harming us, others with our sexuality. That's pretty beautiful. Thank you. Right? Take it in. You know, this is a pretty astounding to be in a place where this is consciously stated and shared. Um, in life, you know... Um, <coughs> It's not really possible to not have things feel unsafe or harm, you know, be harmed in some way or another at times, right? There's a teacher, Tan Jeff, Tinasaro Bhikkhu, and um, he says, this is his quote, it's an often overlooked feature of the Buddha's teaching that he identified the basis for all our good and skillful qualities as heedfulness, not innate goodness or compassion, but rather heedfulness. He goes on to say, we're kind not because we're innately kind. In fact, our minds are so quick to change that they're not innately anything, good or bad, aside from being aware. If we're heedful, we're kind not only when others are kind to us or make us feel safe, we're kind because we see that kindness is the safest course of action, even in the face of unkindness of others and um, I think you know this is uh, important to kind of hold the duality of this you know think things in life aren't predictable they're not consistent they're not always safe or then they're suffering and we can cultivate and can offer and create more and more safety for ourselves and others both are possible they don't have to, we often, I think, get caught in this sense that I have to make my, my bubble safe, my world safe, you know, or I have to keep myself safe. Very important, but there's, both are true, right? And both can coexist. And in fact, if we try to have the, not the reality of the fact that, you know, there's difficulty in life and loss and hurt and dangers like cars, you know, walking out the street... We, we go just into denial. But we can bring safety to everything we do, including those things that feel dangerous and difficult. In the Buddha's teachings, um, one of the things that he talks about is that uh, there's gifts that come from taking right action. You know, um, he says that right action is about protecting countless beings. Here, a noble disciple having abandoned the destruction of life, abstains from the destruction of life. And by abstaining from the destruction of life, the noble disciple gives to an an immeasurable number of beings freedom from fear, enmity, and affliction. And he himself, she herself, in turn enjoys immeasurable freedom from fear, 
enmity and affliction. This is the first great gift. And so with each of these, you know, offerings, you know, when we, when we abstain from destruction of life, abstain from taking what's not given, and abstain from sexual misconduct, we are offering to immeasurable beings this gift, and we in turn receive a gift. So it's a practice that's for others, but for ourselves as well. So one of the, I think, important, um, really important learnings for me at some point in this path was, um, I remember I'd gone on a retreat with Analyo and Gil Fronstel at IRC. And I, this, I think this was uh, maybe not my first, but one of my first retreats at IRC, which is really a quite a special place. So um, if you haven't been there, it's different than most retreat centers because everything is Donna-based, like here. Everything is offered freely. So you don't have to, you know, pay a fee, a set fee to go on a retreat. And um, everybody kind of, you get in there, it's a lottery, right? Because you're just sort of lucky to be there. And there's no paid staff. Not a, this is an amazing retreat center, and there's no one that's paid to run this center, and it's not because it's not a lot of work. There's a tremendous amount of work involved in an organization, but rather everything is structured to support volunteers helping facilitate the retreat, including retreatants being part of everyday cleaning and sangha service, right? And, and doing the things that need to be done and cooking. We, we all, it's our retreat center. We create it and we practice there. So there's no, like, sense of hierarchy so much. I mean, there's the teachers and they are our guides. But even the managers are practicing on retreat with us. So we're really in this together. And you can just feel the preciousness of that. And at the end of this retreat, I just, I, I just felt like I felt so safe. And that's what I really came up for me was there's nobody like, you know, bossing people around or being unkind or busy running in and out while other people are practicing. No, everybody is practicing together. We're all making this, con- we're all contributing to this. And I just was so moved. I was moved to tears and telling Gil, I've never felt so safe in my whole life. I mean, I didn't even realize how, that I could feel that safe. I mean, it hadn't even occurred to me. And, And, you know, he said something to me that became a practice for many years. And he said to me, Tanya, until you have that safety and you just carry it with you all the time, Make it a practice to offer safety to others. And that was a really wonderful advice for me. And it became um, a practice for me of, first of all, if I'm in a social situation and I feel anxious or insecure, I could make it a practice of making somebody else feel safe. (laughs) And that saved me from my own selfing, my own insecurity, my own contracting and trying to see if somebody else would make me feel safe. No, 
it I became this active thing where I could actually offer, work on offering and creating conditions that were, would make somebody else feel safe. And then I felt safe. It was beautiful. And so on and on it goes. There's so many ways. If somebody's being critical of me, how can I make them feel safe? You know, maybe I can, maybe I can't, but I can try. And if I'm working on that, I don't get caught in, you know, sort of defending myself, right? It's also kind of a very interesting thing that we can offer safety, and it's almost like the way it feels to me sometimes is is you're going out the door, you think you're walking out into the world, you're offering safety, and woof! It's like Harry Potter, and I'm receiving safety. It's amazing. And sometimes when I'm offering safety in my, to myself, working with myself, it's like, instead of going in, it's like, whoop, the door opened to the world. And all of a sudden, that safety is being offered and radiated out. So this idea that it's just about in or out is, again, a dualism that doesn't serve us very well. It's very important to practice safety for ourselves and sort of figuring out what helps us feel at ease. As we feel more and more at ease, we're more and more able to offer safety to others. And as we offer safety to others, more and more, the more and more we tend to feel at ease and safe. Let's see. I'll just... um, Okay, I'm going to wrap up with one. Just, um, I'm going to pass this thing around. Please take one and pass it on. And um, maybe this is something that you can look at more over the break. We're going to have a break in a moment. But um, I think it can be really nice practice to make right action more personal. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's the the guideline is to abstain from killing. So what would be an affirmative of that? It might be, for example, we're celebrating life, right? Um, If we're refraining from stealing, the affirmative of that might be that we're celebrating and practicing generosity. If we're refraining from sexual misconduct, the opposite of that or the affirmative of that might be that we're really celebrating and honoring the integrity of other people, their physical integrity, their energetic integrity. So um, in this handout, there's um, the Insight Meditation Center has a code of conduct for the teachers. And this is just a part of it. Um, But I included a few of them, the three that are relevant to right action, and the ways that it's been um, kind of personalized for the teachers at the center to practice right action or the, these three precepts in a way that um, is, is more personal for us, right? More personal for this, this sangha, for the center. And I offer that as an example um, and with the hope to inspire you to think about, you know, how do you make this something that is supported um, and inspired in a way that feels, you know, deeply personal. So...
So I'm going to um, just give us a minute, one minute of silence to read, and then I'm going to re- re- ring the bell, and we'll take a break. And it might be that on the break, if you have an opportunity to connect with one other person, to share what came up for you about making right action personal, that you could do so if you felt so inclined. Does that, does that make sense to folks? Okay, so a minute of silence and then I'll ring the bell. So please return in 10 minutes. We'll ring the bell about two minutes or three minutes before the end of the break. Okay, so for the second half of the afternoon, we'd like to explore a quality that I associate with the word integrity, or what comes up around that for you with acting. Um, It's another one of those things like safety that is a great benefit for oneself that comes from wise action and supports wise action. So I know that I have often, one of the things that really drew me to this practice is the sense that I felt often that I didn't really, I was going so fast and, you know, moving so under so much momentum and pressure that I didn't really know myself very well and I didn't really know why I was doing what I was doing. And I had a sense of a lot of kind of unpacked, un, not unpacked uh, baggage and various sorts that kept uh, driving my actions in a way I didn't really understand. And so really beginning with the meditation practice for me was important to begin to get to know myself. And the more I've practiced with this and practiced with all the factors of the path, I really appreciate this. The more I know myself and the more parts of myself that I become comfortable with and familiar with, the more my actions have a sense of arising from a sense of wholeness and completeness in what I would like to do in the world. Um, so what is integrity? Just think, take a moment and think, think about a little what that word means to you and how it lands. It's your relationship to that word. So 
So it might give rise to a sense like maybe all the parts working in harmony, everything working together, not so much internal conflict or struggle. But sometimes one can have the sense that there's, there's a deep sense of integrity, but on the surface a lot of stuff can be going on. You know, there can be a lot of superficial difficulties or many, many layers of difficulties that you're working through or conflict, but yet somehow you know that you're moving in the right direction. And that's very different from the opposite, where maybe you're going along with whatever's going on superficially, being driven by that, but there's a kind of disconnect or a deeper sense of unease or not really, not really knowing why you're doing what you're doing. So I'm thinking of this teaching of the Buddha that uh, having to do with the feeling, you know, of noticing whether something is pleasant or unpleasant and that things can turn out four ways. It can be pleasant now, but it can actually be having a longer term or deeper impact that is not for your well-being and not for the well-being of others. Or it could be unpleasant now, but still you know deep down somehow that it's having an effect that's for the long-term good of yourself or the long-term good of others. And vice versa. Sometimes it's pleasant now and wholesome later, and sometimes it's unpleasant now and unwholesome later. But not everything comes packaged that uh, clearly all the time. And so more and more it's getting a sense of being willing to let go of the superficial, pleasant, you know, something that's superficially pleasant and really tuning into the deeper current of where things are going or being willing to put up with something that's superficially unpleasant and knowing that you're going to a deeper place that's, that is in the long run to your best understanding for your benefit and the benefit of others. So we can look at these very strong energies, this this energy of striking out things we don't like, this energy of grabbing and taking and possessing things we want, and this energy, all the different things that come with the sexuality. And I think it's really important that we take time to appreciate the enormous value of our ability to keep the most basic interpretation of this, of not killing people, not stealing things, and not you know, overtly causing forceful harm with our sexuality. We can really feel good if we're, if the whole world were able to keep that level of this understanding, that would be a whole different world. So it's really beautiful. And then a lot of us are drawn also, the more we practice, to increase our sensitivity to these energies themselves, not just to their most gross manifestation. But how is this pushing away and aversion and this holding and possessing and this way of interacting with other people that's inviting in some way some entanglement that we might or might not be wholeheartedly able to support. What is that? You know, how can we explore that? But to explore that in a way that we're not getting more uptight. You know, you can also... A lot of us are drawn to criticizing ourselves and to actually using the practice to make ourselves feel more uptight. So without doing that, how can we really uh, explore this? Um, So the Buddha offered a teaching to his son Rahula. He asked his son Rahula, what is the purpose of a mirror? And Rahula said, it's for the purpose of reflection. 
And so too, Rahula, any action with the body should be done after repeated reflection and action by speech and action by mind. When you wish to do an action, you should reflect upon it. Would this action that I wish to do lead to my own affliction or to the affliction of others or to the affliction of both? And then you need to reflect again as much as you can during while you're doing the action, keeping in touch with how it's going, and then reflecting afterwards because you might learn something more afterwards about what happened. So I just want to look a little more about uh, working with reflection in those three ways. So first of all, long before, you know, This is why we meditate. We meditate so that we can get to know ourselves and see what's going on in conditions where we're not really going to act because we're sitting there. And we can let some of these energies come up and be seen and be understood. And also the meditation practice calms, slows us down, calms the irritability that is often behind a lot of reactivity. So all the things that we're doing in our practice to work with understanding our views and our intentions and working on strengthening our ability to calm down and be aware. All that is could be considered things that we're doing before we get in situations where we have to act. And when we're faced with a situation where we're trying to make, you know, there are a lot of very difficult decisions around um, taking life even. You know, there are lots of different opinions about issues like abortion, issues like... Um, assisted suicide, issues like euthanasia of pets and so forth. There's a lot of questions. There's questions about termites in your houses. and So when we get into these details, you can get a little hung up on trying to make a maybe a legalistic answer for this. And we need to have different ways to look at this. One of the teachings that Gil's given us in the course that we're taking, something he shared is that there are different kinds of People, different people reflect on ethical questions like that in different ways. So I thought it was very interesting to try to see if you can notice what, which way you tend to go when you're reflecting on a difficult ethical question. So some people go by principle, you know, like this is wrong and no one should ever do this and it's a principle. And then that settles the matter for you in some way. Or it could be something that's more of a value, like the value of life. And life is, life is beautiful, and this is a value. You know? And it's got, more of a, to me, more of a heart quality that this is something that's precious and valuable. Some people tend to make their ethical decisions on a sort of gut instinct or a sentiment that, ooh, I just don't do that. That's just horrifying to think of doing that. And that's how they decide. Other people tend to think of, uh, think, think through the consequences. What would really be the consequences to the results of the people involved and the people that would be impacted by them. So it's kind of interesting to think, especially when you're working with other people who might have a different ethical style, a different style of reasoning about these things, You know, you could look at these things from all different points of view and you could understand that the other people that you're discussing this with might be coming from a different one of those styles of looking at it. So it's a way to turn some of these issues over several ways in your own own heart and mind as you look at it. 
And often in these situ- in a situation, you come up with a different, a conflicting interest, conflicting motives, conflicting intentions. So it's so easy for us to fall into identifying, it's very painful to be identifying with two sides of a question and just going back and forth. I should do this, but I don't want to. Or I shouldn't do this, but I want to. And back and forth and back and forth. And just getting more and more wound up in knots by identifying with both sides of that question. So it's very useful to learn to see these different impulses and different points of view that are coming up in you from the point of view of mindful awareness as, yes, there's this and there's this. And allow each of them to kind of have their their say and understand more deeply where they're coming from. And notice when you're falling into um, chasing yourself in circles and beating yourself up on one side or the other of this. So there can be really... If you feel strongly that something should or shouldn't be done, you can you can own own that, you know, and not not necessarily attribute that to some external authority that's telling you to do it, but really feel into what you feel yourself. And then compassion for that part of you that needs or wants to do some uh, the opposite of whatever it is. So just this bringing mindfulness and compassion to this entire area. And we can have a lot of trust and patience really with not always having to act. You know, some, sometimes there's a feeling of a compulsion of having to do something and there's, we need to learn a lot of trust and patience of stepping back and not always acting. So, um, with respect to each of these particular areas, when there's a temptation to strike out or, a temp- or the feeling of aversion and the temptation is leading to striking out, we can really notice the shutting down around this that's happening. Notice, see if you can notice what is being left out of your perspective at that time because it takes a, quite a narrow mind to decide that you're going to actually, you know, even something small like, kill a bug or something. Just notice what what that energy is doing to your mind. Becoming more aware of that. And um, and the energy of taking, you can notice what's put this idea of having this thing in mind in the first place and really noticing the, the sequence where something has come to mind and now there's created some sense of lack in yourself that you need to have and possess this thing. looking at being, thinking of moving into the area of sexual energy is a really rich area to notice how the mind and the body work together. There's an important insight into the difference between the mind, activities that go in the mind and activities that go into the body. And when those two get put together, it's more than doubly powerful, the, the urge to do something. So see if you can notice and tease out what's a bodily feeling, what's a mental feeling, um, What's going on with having or losing touch with the actual personhood of another person that you're thinking of? Have they, has it slipped over into a, an objectification of some kind or are you still in touch with the whole humanity of that person?
So if you can't, a lot of the time during action is the hardest time to pay attention to what's going on. And for a long time it may be that some of these considerations that you could learn to feel during you actually will have to reflect on afterwards. And that's fine because then you learn from that. So staying in touch with your body, the the sense of embodiment and understanding where the urge is coming from in your body. Are you being carried away by a sense of urgency or a sense of um, momentum? Um, Sometimes just trying to make something happen, you know, trying to force something to happen. That's one of my teachers calls it pushing the river, getting that sense of when you're pushing too hard to try to make something happen. Watching that momentum build as you move into an action of some sort. Um, noticing turning away and shutting down. What does it take? You know, if you're, if you're, maybe some ants have invaded your kitchen and you've decided you have to kill them to clean it up. What are you turning off? What are you turning away from? What are you shutting down that you're in touch with as you do that action? And can you reopen that somehow and find a different way? I know I've learned so much about just interest and affection for the ways of insects by trying not to do that. You know, find trusting that they're they're intelligent beings and they're looking for something. And if there isn't food and water, they'll go away. And I can have the patience to wait a while while they discover that the source of food is no longer there and they leave. And that's got a whole different feeling to it than just the hostility of having to get rid of something. You can really ask yourself in general, what is it? What what layers of myself am I not in touch with right now? If you're feeling a little off while you're taking an action, are you really grounded in your body all the way down to your feet and in your spine? Are you in touch with your heart? You know, are you able... Sometimes we're just able to remember that, yeah, I had an intention not to do this kind of thing and I'm not really feeling it right now. I'm really carried away with wanting to take more than than is my share. You know, when we talk about that issue of taking, these days so much is offered and pushed at us and, you know, we're bombarded with things that are offered. <laughs> it's almost the issue is what do we take that's that's reasonable to take and that we really need and that is our fair share and is good for the planet in the long run. So there's a lot of considerations there. And then um, in the after, often we've gotten carried away. And then we have to take time to reflect on what happened and asking some of those questions that we could have looked at during, we'll have to ask after. And this is a, this is a thing we can use some of our meditation and reflective time for, to think back on something you did that doesn't feel especially skillful or isn't working out exactly right. And really try to feel back into what parts of you were cut off when you did that. You can almost envision yourself doing that and sense into, yeah, this is where I was shut down and not in touch with some aspect of myself and feel into that. And often we see that harm was caused. We learn later that some kind of harm was caused despite our best intentions. And this is where we get to learn You know, this is a practice, it's a learning practice, chipping away at this vast inheritance of ignorance that we all have about what the real long-term effects of what we do or how it lands with other people. So understanding other points of view better 
the whole point of view of wise remorse really is this forward view that, oh, I have a chance to learn something, you know, and it's not a chance to beat yourself up because that's really reinforcing the idea that you could have done better and blaming yourself and self-hatred. None of that is at all helpful. It's helpful to understand actually what conditions did go into that action and now what have you learned? And just move forward with it. It's a real opportunity for insights into the the way we are in perfect control of things, the way conditions work, and the way conditions arise and take us over, the impermanence of the satisfaction that we get out of things that we take and have and own. You know, we can see that afterwards. After striking out in some way, have you really solved the problem? Have you learned anything besides how to strike out and maintain fear you know there could be fear of if you've hurt a person as you're now entangled in a scenario where you're likely to be hurt back it's very complex if you take something are you really satisfied by it are you now worried about protecting it and having it and just you've learned the temporary gratification of having it but now you just want to have it again And of course, in regard to sexual acting out, how do you feel afterwards about yourself? Are you still in contact with the other person as a person? How's all this landing afterwards? So we can't always know ahead of time how everything is going to work. We can try our best, and then we do our best, and then we can continue to watch what's happening and learn from that. And then there's appreciating, really, when it's all going when it's going well when you've acted skillfully created safety for yourself and other people and you're really having this deepening refuge in in integrity this daily life practice of of trying actions in a way that creates safety for you and others it's creating new pathways in the mind and body that you then it's easier next time. So we do practice with some of these small edges and we practice cultivating um, a different relationship with these energies of aversion and wanting and sexuality that will then help us have the habits to do the right thing when the triggering circumstances are stronger. So sometimes there's, you know, even when we think we're doing the right, when when our motives are good, we can look more deeply at... um, at what's going on. There's a beautiful essay that I uh, came into through Gill again a couple of years ago that's talking about, it's by Rachel Na- Naomi Raymond. She's a wonderful teacher and it's called In the Service of Life. And she's talking about even even the intentions to like fix and help can be a little bit off if you want to look. So she says... Um, If I'm attentive to what's going on inside me when I'm helping, I can find that sometimes I'm helping someone who's not as strong as I am and who's needier than I am, and people can feel this inequality. When I help, I'm aware of my own strength. But we don't serve with our strength. We serve with ourselves. We draw from all of our experiences. Our limitations serve. Our wounds serve. Even our darkness can serve. The wholeness in us serves the wholeness in others and the wholeness in life. The wholeness in you is the same as the wholeness in me. So service is a relationship between equals. So we can look at how 
you know, sometimes actions that are wholesomely motivated, fixing and helping. And, you know, this is an exercise in trying to um, invite you to discern deeply what your motives are. I've, I'm certainly grateful for many people who've helped me and fixed things, so I'm not, I'm not, we don't want to get too hung up on the words, but just the underlying attitude of, of, uh, of the wholeness of life and, and sharing in the burdens of life and offering the safety to others and offering non-harming. It becomes a really deep refuge. It's the, only, it's the only aspect of what's going on that we can really deeply work through for ourselves. And then we have this deep understanding that we are, we are not causing harm. And we are not participating in causing harm. And it, it's, a, it's, it's beautiful to have this deepening sense of integrity. So those are some of my thoughts on the subject and I would like for you all to continue with this and if you would get in groups of four again that would be great. It would be a different four would be good. Yes. leave it on until I read the question. hard time finding a group please come toward the front we need is there anybody that's um, we can certainly have groups of five it's not that big a deal you need one okay or maybe there's a few people out there who might be coming back do you have a group do you have a group okay can you come over here right here to this group on the floor and then the three of you are looking for one more. Okay. Okay. It can be three. Three is fine. Okay, so we're going to do an exercise that kind of combines the form of the two that we did before. So it's a circular repeating question. (laughs) So um, we're going to go around in a circle and you will ask the person on your left this question and the person on your left will respond. And then the person will ask the person on their left the same question and that person will respond. 
Okay? So we're going to go around in a circle. And once again, try not to be thinking too much about what you're going to say. Let it come out of the whole circle. Other people may say things that inspire you in some way. And it just goes around and around. So the first question is, when I'm not acting with integrity, or you, or not sure if I'm acting with integrity, you could take that to mean. But when I'm not acting with integrity, I feel dot, dot, dot. Okay? When I'm not acting with integrity, I feel. So let the next person next to you respond to that question, and then we'll just go around the circle a few times. Okay? Clear enough? Okay. Wait, do we say when you're not acting or when I... I uh, well, when you're. When you're. Yeah. No, you ask them. You say you. Right. When, when you're not acting with integrity, you feel. Right. You can... Yes. It's written here wrong. <laughs> okay. So, um, if you've already started, fine. Otherwise, person with the longest hair. Just carry on around, only we'll ask the positive form of the question. When I'm acting with, when you're acting with integrity, you feel, okay? When you are acting with integrity, how do you feel, okay? Finishing up last comments and thanking your group. And let's, um, yeah, let's, let's come back together. Tip the chairs back into a circle. And uh, we've got quite a bit of time to just love to hear some of what came up in these go-arounds and any questions that the whole day has raised for you or any, you know... Yeah, yeah, we can. I just asked Chris about, um, I like the practice of sending the microphone around the circle, just um, passing. um, And, you know, if you don't want to say anything, um, that's great. You can say a word or, um, you know nothing at all it's really fine and and no one can say very many words either <laughs> so um, you might say your name just to reinforce who we all are here and our names yeah and um, I don't know uh, I mean there's a lot that's happened today right mm-hmm. so we started with Chris giving us a nice review of where you've been and where we are today we did the guided meditation reflections on safety and then the 
um, the four group exploration of safety and the dyads about it. Um, what would happen for you if you felt more safe and offered more safety? And then there was um, uh, a little bit more around that and a break and this connection to integrity and how do we live with integrity and not get caught in these sort of cycles of shame and guilt or being stuck and torn between what we think we should do, what we want to do, right? So how do we hold integrity and balance in, in all the forces in our lives and the floods of our life? So just, that's just sort of, um, and then here in this last section, right, reconnecting or grounding more deeply in the body around what does it feel like to act in integrity and out of integrity? Um, why is that important? You know, why is it helpful to know what it feels like, what to notice about that? And then overarching, here we are, the umbrella of today is right action. Not killing, not stealing, and not acting inappropriate or harmfully sexually. So with all of that kind of, as a summary, just sort of checking in with yourself and notice, trusting your heart, your aspiration. What's important for you? What's important for you to take away from our exploration today, from your own inner listening? What would support your practice? What would support and elevate your, your sense of wanting to keep walking this path? I'm taking from, <clears throat> from my group, everyone felt so much better about themselves when they acted with integrity. So it's something hardwired in us that all human beings feel better when they act with integrity. I'm not, I correct that. We don't know how, what percent of the population feels better when they act with integrity, (laughs) but our group (laughs) feels better to act with integrity. And that that felt good being on our group and having everyone in their own way explain how much better it made them feel and everyone was aware of that's how they felt. And I'm Amy and I'll pass it along. Thank you, Amy. Keep it short. Keep it really short. Uh, I'm Bill. Um, so in our last group, I said, when, we're, when I'm about to act not with integrity, there are all these little tensions my throat stomach maybe my jaw or whatever uh if i notice it i've got a fighting chance to not go there um but the key is to notice it before you've acted so the takeaway for me is um i think i need to meditate more i'm jenya i think what would support my practice is just taking two minutes in the morning to focus on my intention, what I want to work on for the day and what I want to notice. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I always draw a blank in a large group, so I I got nothing. But um, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, all of you. Um, 
I'm so grateful to be here. Hi, I'm Susie. I thank you for uh, having this. I um, find safety in uh, water, moving, flowing water, and I connected that. I'm kind of a visual person, and I connected that with the um, just the flowing energy that I find in practice, and um, when I can have the energy flowing. Um, in safety and integrity, um, it it feels good. Thank you. I'm Sophie. Exploration, awareness, discoveries, and action. When we were talking in our group about um, the well, the sense of well-being of uh, when we're in, acting with integrity, it made me think that maybe acting in, with integrity is a source of uh, of safety. I can follow up on that. In, with integrity, you have safety, and safety is so absolutely profound. When you feel safe, you can have an open heart, and there can be compassion, and there can be friendship, and there can be love, there can be vulnerability. It gives you a chance and curiosity. My name is Ek. When I'm not acting from integrity, I feel like I'm placing a hand on a voice inside me. Uh, which is trying to say something and it is a feeling of suffocation inside my body, tightening. Mm-hmm. But when I'm acting from integrity, I, it's very easy for me to connect with people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, my name is Amy. I just appreciated the exercises because it helped me to get a felt sense of what it means to be acting with and without integrity. And I'd like to explore it some more at home. I'm Susan, and I also appreciated just bringing um, awareness to the feeling of safety and the feeling of when you act with integrity and when you don't. Definitely a lot to um, work with there. Thank you. I'm Betsy. Um, Coming, aligning my actions with my values and coming from a place of integrity is life-enhancing and affords lovely energy. You know, as we went in the circle about, it came up to me, I have ambivalence about integrity in certain situations, like I'm dealing with institutions and um, getting care, medical care, some other things, where acting with integrity, being honest, being open, works against me. And it's almost as if in some systems, acting with integrity makes me, the word that came to mind was, I feel like a chump, because it seems as though some situation it doesn't, some situations it doesn't work. And so I need to think about that a lot more. That's a real conflict for me. 
right now. Um, my name's Lydia, and I guess my takeaway from today is that when we all feel safe together, we are more able to be ourselves and to connect with each other. I'm John. I just want to thank everybody from my group and thank this bigger group here and our teachers. Hi, I'm Dustin. Um, I just want to say that um, this group reminded me to listen uh, much more than I usually do. My name is Frank, and um, from the pre-work, I thought oh, today will be easy uh, because I'm not going to kill anybody. <laughs> um, but uh, from all the sessions we, we had, I thought that the exercises today have been the most difficult for me personally so far, and that was a good thing. Thank you. Uh, my name is Blake, and... I particularly appreciate the session we had on safety. I think that was a good way to summarize some things I've been thinking about. I'm Heidi. Um, I think integrity gave me energy, and I'm not shy to talk today, and I feel um, comfortable and safety and ease. And uh, I want to thank the group of people I talked to today. And uh, I was able to communicate very well with them. Thank you. I'm Bob. Thank you. And I became aware today of the uh, nature of safety integrity is not just something personally within me, but shared amongst people that I can give to and take from as well. I'm Moby, and I really appreciated the simplicity today of focusing on safety and integrity and really want to echo the comments about how interconnected they are. So thank you. Hi, my name's Chris. Um, <clears throat> I'm just happy to have had the opportunity to slow down and actually contemplate these things, mm. look inside, and uh, be able to voice how we feel about these two issues of safety and integrity. Thank you. Ditto. <laughs> Kumi, and I'm very grateful uh, <clears throat> to be here with everyone and to have the opportunity to uh, spend some uh, personal time looking inside what it means to feel safe and what um, what it is um, what integrity is and so I'm very grateful thank you I'm Leslie and um, listening to myself um, say what I would do uh, if I feel safe, inspires me to um, offer that to uh, other people with my words and actions. I'm Carrie, and I really appreciate being part of this community. And um, thank you for introducing me to my capacities for um, providing safety and um, having integrity.
I'm Audrey, and I just feel like everyone's already said everything that's <laughs> that I've been feeling hearing. So thank you. I'm Alan, and uh, I, uh, in my personal relationships, I find it, you know, pretty motivating to be in, have integrity. But I, I guess echoing what somebody else said, as far as um, feeling dependent on support from some sort of in- institutional structure, you know, I don't trust, or I don't feel safe being honest, completely honest. I don't feel like that the what's offered is actually freely given um, so that kind of trips me up sometimes you know if I let that bother me enough then it affects my personal integrity I that lack of safety so I'm kind of been wrestling, wrestling with that a little bit but I thank you for bringing up the safety today Um, I'm Morgan, and I am I am fascinated by um, this difference between honesty and integrity, and the difference between kind of an in, being in touch with an internal integrity versus uh, integrity that I guess I kind of have defined based on on family uh, beliefs and values, um, and that and I appreciated the opportunity to touch into that that um, pool of like uh, integrity that's more balanced and in, and in touch with something beyond what I've been defining as integrity, I guess. I don't know, I'm still working that through. Thank you, teachers and Sangha. Um, I'm Alex, and um, moving in the world with integrity, um, with moral discipline is very important to me. And uh, I just want to say I'm very grateful for the existence of the Sangha, for people who share those values. I'm Abby. Um, I think just touching in with that physical sense of safety and wanting to create that for others and having that very physical sense of it was really helpful. I'm John. Um, I wasn't actually expecting that we would talk about safety in this class, but I'm very glad we did. It made me think of situations that I have now where I feel very safe and why that is. And I really appreciate the tip of when I'm not feeling safe, dealing with it by offering safety to some to others. I think that was a great tip. Um, and to come back around, the places where I feel really safe are places where people are actively offering me safety. So I think that's really good. I'm Catherine, and in this last exercise about um, acting with integrity, I had kind of an aha moment about um, kind of a negative side effect for me, of which I'm going to need to explore more, about my acting with integrity as kind of brought up the expectation or the desire for everybody else to act with integrity. And when that doesn't happen, kind of a self-righteous attitude about um, the rest of the humanity. So the unpleasant side effect was it's not all good because now I need to deal with why I'm expecting this and what happens when I don't get what I expect. So for me, it was um, not acting with integrity would keep me 
in a place of immaturity. And when I do act with integrity, I find I'm filled with self-respect. And I think you can never have too much self-respect. My name's Melody, and I um, really appreciate the teachings today. And I um, also really like the timing of right action as we head into the new year. And as I look at my calendar and think about the things I'm going to be doing. And one of the questions that was posed was, if you feel safe, would you do things that you wouldn't do otherwise? And so I'm going to be thinking about whether or not I'm feeling safe. And um, like many said also, I, I like the idea of when I don't feel safe, providing safety for others as a path to get to that place. Hi, I'm Yasna. Um, I was very surprised by the content of this session, and I must say it was most personally relevant uh, of all the sessions so far. Uh, it's particularly related to safety, and I realized I don't always offer safety to others, which I found very unexpected, and I think I want to offer it to others first because I feel we'll all be going to be much happier. My name is Jason, and I'm recognizing the when I'm not feeling safe, I'm living in a place of fear, and fear is not something that lets me be act with integrity. Uh, I'm Nina, and I just want to thank everyone here, especially the teachers and IMC, for this opportunity. So thank you. I'm Liam. Um, I guess what impressed me the most was um, kind of the um, the answers uh, that came in the groups from the others and how those resonated for me almost entirely. Um, and that kind of common thread of humanity um, and feeling that uh, ran through the groups, the people, the other people I was working with, um, and maybe using that to kind of carry the practice forward. Um, I'm Andy, and um, I think this just brought home the importance of uh, a reflection, and taking time, and feeling that it's um, important in our lives to reflect. And thank, I want to thank our both Liz and. Um, Tanya, for giving us this time to extend this reflection for um, a time that's really important for the first part of the year as well as just um, giving ourselves the time to do this. My name's Ryan, and uh, I was amazed by, uh, I think, how similar everyone's um, responses were about, especially about integrity, um, uh, you know, how does it feel not to be in integrity and how does it feel when you are in integrity and um, it definitely just kind of makes me, um, you know, points to this, you know, inner conscience that feels uh, pretty universal um, and I think it's just kind of an active area of exploration for me, you know, is, is this really conscience, is this condition, I mean, conscience, is it conditioned, did we learn it or is it something that's really just kind of like a uh, inherent fabric of being human or being in the world, um, and so I, it's just really interesting to um, explore that. So I appreciate it. Thank you all.
Yeah, Marilyn. Yeah, thank you all. <laughs> That's wonderful. Do you have a... Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's just sit for about a minute. So may the beneficial energies of our time together this afternoon be dedicated to ever-widening circles out from this group to everyone we know and to all beings everywhere. May all beings feel safe. May all beings be free from fear. May all beings discover how to act from ever deeper sources of inner integrity. Thank you. So just a reminder that next month we will have a potluck tea and snacks time after starting right now, a month from now. And uh, you're welcome to bring something or you're welcome to come anyway. There's always been plenty to snack on at these events. So uh, hope to see you then. And thank you so much, Tanya. It was great to have you today. Thank you. Thank you for including me. Yeah. Okay.